0: The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, one of the great themes in the Christian spiritual masters over the centuries is the theme of detachment. The Greek fathers called it apatheia, apathy we might say. Ignatius of Iola called it indifferencia, indifference. What this means is a detachment from the goods of the world that are less than God. The spiritual masters know that the soul is wired for God. Our joy is found in God alone. Therefore, when the soul gets hooked onto something less than God, something created, it becomes sick. The solution to this is detachment from all these goods, whether it's sex or money or power. The Gospel today talks about one of the most powerful and pernicious attachments that we get into. Honor, glory, the esteem of others, having a great name, being highly thought of, ambition, however you want to name it. This desire for honor becomes in itself an attachment, making the soul sick and twisting it away from God. You know, it's interesting, you can see some people who, even if they have a lot of money, aren't particularly attached to money, or people that that have a lot of power but aren't particularly attached to it, but are attached to honor. They want to be noticed. They want to be celebrated. They want people to see and appreciate them. I always think of Oscar Wilde's great line. Remember he said, the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. Now, that's someone who is hooked on ambition or honor. They need to be noticed. And, you know, to be fair about this, honor, ambition, like sex, money, material things, power, is extremely attractive. This is not a minor spiritual problem. This is a very deep attraction. There's a terrific rush that we get when we are noticed and celebrated. It comes from... The first time you get a good grade as a kid in school, the first time your, your father tells you what a good job you did, the first time a coach praises you for a good catch or a good hit, we feel the rush that this gives us, the excitement of it. When we become addicted to this, now we're in the spiritual danger of ambition. You know, Thomas Aquinas made a really good, simple distinction in regard to honor. He said, honor is the flag or the sign of some achievement, some accomplishment. The achievement and the accomplishment, that's the substantial thing. The honor is simply a sign or an indication of it. Let's say I were to write a a book. It's a good book, even a great book. And suppose I were honored for it. Critics praised me and I got an award for the book. Well, the substantial achievement is the actual composing of the book. The substantial achievement is the work that I did, the hours I put in, crafting the sentences, organizing my thoughts, what I learned from it, what I'm able to teach because of it. That's the substantial, that's the brown bread, that's the nourishing element. What's the honor that I get or the praise I get? Well, it's like confectionery sugar on top of the cake. It's like a frosting it's just an indication what's the problem spiritually with ambition the problem is we now get addicted to the confectionery sugar and we ignore the cake that's the problem with it says Aquinas it's kind of an odd uh, twisting we love the sign and not the thing the sign is pointing to you know Christians this also helps to explain why Ambitious people are so often insatiable in their ambition. If you're trying to feed yourself on confectionery sugar, two things will happen. One is you're going to be hungry a lot. It's not meant to satisfy you. And then you're going to want more and more and more of it. And in the end, that will make you sick. That's a perfect image, I think, for what ambition does. We try to feed our soul on honor, but honor is a very thin gruel. It is not satisfying, it is not substantial. So we eat it, we eat it, we eat it, and we're not satisfied. So we eat more and more and more of it until it makes us spiritually sick. This is the problem that all the spiritual teachers mention about ambition or honor. Now, I'm talking about this because of the Gospel, Our gospel today is from the 14th chapter of Luke. This section of Luke we've been reading from now the past several weeks is very interesting. Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. That means he's going to the cross. He's going to the Paschal Mystery, the culmination of his life. As he goes, people follow him, and he teaches on the way. This means that this section of Luke is a kind of school of discipleship. He's showing us what's required of the disciple, what makes us capable of following Jesus all the way to Jerusalem. So in this context, he tells this story, or the, Luke tells this story. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him carefully. Luke is a great literary artist, and like all great literary uh, figures, he's able to suggest something very powerful in just a few lines. Look how he paints the picture. We're in the home of one of the leading Pharisees. That means one of the most important figures in a much-honored group. We are in the arena of ambition here. Here's someone who has picked his way very carefully very strategically up the ladder, and has found himself in a very honored position. Now, more to the point. And the people there were observing him carefully. Now, the him here is Jesus. But I want to broaden it out. I think everybody in that room is watching everybody else carefully. Christians, this is what the arena of ambition is like. Ambition or honor depends upon our being seen by others. If you were on a desert island, you would not have the spiritual problem of ambition. You couldn't. There'd be no one there to notice you, no one there to honor you. It only becomes a problem when we are surrounded by people who are watching us. Now, what does Jesus notice? He notices how they were choosing places of honor at the table. I love this little vignette, we're in a banquet hall, we can imagine it pretty easily, and there are the, he's in the home of a leading Pharisee, and all the other figures are picking their way, trying to find the most honored position. Think of that room and that table as a metaphor. For your company, for your university, for your team for your family, whatever arena of ambition you find yourself in. This is a metaphor. How often we spend our spiritual energy picking our way through whatever world we're in to find the most honored position. And how much spiritual energy we spend looking at one another, gauging who's up, who's down, who's rising, who's falling. Who has the advantage? Who has the disadvantage? We are in the competitive arena of ambition here. Bring these two observations together now. What's at the heart of ambition? Slavery. Slavery. What do I mean? The ambitious person is a slave to the opinions and attitudes of those around him or around her. Here's the paradox. Very often, the ambitious person seems the most confident, the most self contained, the most on top of his game. In fact, just the opposite is true. The ambitious person is so dependent upon the esteem and attention of those around him that he's a slave to their opinions. Let's say, The ambitious person has done everything in her power to find this honored position. She has backstabbed and she has maneuvered and she has strategized and done everything in her power to get in that position. And then nobody notices. Well, then It's all for naught. It's all in vain. Or suppose she's done all this, people notice for a very short time, and then they get bored with her. They forget about her, move on to somebody else, and now all her efforts are in vain. I often think about this when I see pop stars, you know, on MTV, or you see the the concert uh, stars arriving in town, and they seem to be the height of cool and self-sufficient. But in fact, the pop stars are the most enslaved to the esteem, approval, and attention of the world around them. Though they seem so cool, in fact, they are the most imprisoned. I mean, think of the pop stars from the 80s, even from 20 years ago. How many of them remain? A tiny handful remain. Most of them, for a short time, were in the public eye, and then, boom, they fell out. Enslaved to the opinion of others. How about the last part of this gospel? Jesus now is putting his finger on an even more subtle game of ambition. Listen, when you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your wealthy neighbors in case they may invite you back and you have your repayment. It's very interesting to me. The first part. He analyzes people who are playing this game in a very blatant way. You know, they're jockeying for position. They're trying to get the highest spot. They're trying to capture the attention of the crowd. Well, that's rather obvious, and we all know in our various walks of life, people like this. But in the second part of the gospel, he's putting his finger on a much more subtle game, someone that's learned how to play this game much more carefully. Well, look, I'm generous. (laughs) I'm giving a dinner for everybody. I'm I'm inviting friends to this banquet. I'm a good and generous and charitable person. Really, Jesus wonders? Maybe you are doing it precisely so that you might be repaid with honor. You're generous, it seems, it seems. But in fact, what you are doing, is you are trying to give people something in order that you might literally buy from them their honor. You're just as insatiable, just as hungry for honor as the first person, but now you're just playing the game more carefully. I will give you something, and in return, you will honor me. Do you ever find yourself, Christians, in this position where you give someone a gift, and then you don't get a thank you note? You don't get any acknowledgement. You get no credit. And at some deep level, you are mad. Some deep level, you are pretty disappointed. That's a sign that you were not doing it out of sheer generosity, but you were doing it in order to be repaid. Therefore, what does Jesus say? Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you. That's the test, that you are not the slave of ambition or honor, that you can be generous, listen now, purely because you love the other as other, not because you are loving yourself through the other. Jesus here is saying to his disciples, look, if you are to be my follower, you have to root this problem out of your life in its obvious forms, yes, jockeying for position, and even in these more pernicious and subtle forms, your life must be one of total generosity. Who's our model? Jesus, who took the lowest place and gave himself away out of sheerly generous love. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard, until we join Father Baron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.